Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 187. Today's episode is all about why we all lie. The secrets, you know, that you're taking to the grave with you, they own you. You don't own them. When you first start to tell the truth, you really can't overshare, overstep, offend people, annoy people. There's a reason you're not telling it, because it's not awesome. It won't make someone feel good. It won't go over well. But the more you practice it, the more you learn, I call it the truth underneath the truth. Like your truth in the moment might be like, I want to kill my brother. He's such an asshole. But then the real truth is, oh, I got my feelings hurt yesterday when he didn't pass the salt. You know, and then the real truth is I'm actually still jealous of him from my childhood. And then the real truth is if I just told him all of this, I'd feel better. Once you start experimenting with like, oh my God, I'm so upset with you right now. Why am I so upset with you right now? you can actually learn and then you're less likely to freak out when you get triggered because you know what's underneath it and or you've healed what's underneath it. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, love. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are the best way to give back if you find the show helpful. They help the show grow, which helps me get even better guests. Today, I'm sharing a review from K.A. Mead 85. She says, I absolutely love your show. The first episode I ever heard, you were telling my story. I haven't stopped listening to your podcast since I discovered it just a few weeks ago. I can relate to almost everything you've discussed so far, and it's been such an important reminder that I'm never alone in my life struggles. Thank you for all you do to help share your experience, strength, and hope. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to write this review and letting me into your life a little bit. I'm so grateful to have you in my circle. And now for the show. Do you ever catch yourself lying? If you just said no, then you're lying right now because everybody lies. Some more than others, sure, but we all do it. When you think about lying, I'm sure you have someone in mind. We all have that one friend who just seems to shamelessly lie or at least embellish the truth often. I can think of a few people that come to mind. One in particular, not to brag or anything, but I have an abnormally accurate memory when it comes to certain topics, especially if the story that I'm being told evokes some sort of visual. So if you tell me a story and then tell it again three years later and certain points in the story are different, I will notice. And yes, it was probably hell dating me when I was younger because you weren't getting away with anything. Well, this one friend that I'm thinking of told me all these amazing things about her life the first weekend we met. Well, over the course of the next few years, we went from being acquaintances to hanging out every day. And slowly but surely, the whole picture she painted for me that first weekend was just peeled away. Like, totally. Almost nothing she said was even real. I don't know. Maybe she didn't think that we'd get close enough for it to matter, but we did. So it did. And I always had a hard time trusting her after that especially because I'd hear her lie to people right in front of my face about stories that I was actually physically present for. I'd think to myself, 
do you really have no shame? You know I was there. You know that I know that you're lying, right? But if I'm being totally honest with myself, which for the point of this episode, I should be, I am a hypocrite. I've lied to people. I've lied to myself. Why is it that I think that some lies are different than others? We all lie. We just tend to justify it in some cases and not in others. How many times have you texted, I'm on my way, when you're not even out of the house? Or my phone died, when you really just don't feel like dealing with someone? Or my phone's been acting weird, when you're avoiding the same person more than once? And then there's all the little things, like, I don't really watch much TV, I say, even though I'm caught up on The Bachelor, Handmaid's Tale, This Is Us, and Younger. And then there are the lies that we tell ourselves. I'm only going to have one drink when we know full well that the chances of us wanting another are basically 100%. I'm never eating sugar again. I'm too busy to start this passion of mine. I just can't live without insert device here. My past has influenced me and it must continue to do so. I must avoid pain. I never lie. You see what I did there? Well, you get the picture. We all lie, whether we lie to other people to make ourselves look good or avoid telling someone something that they don't want to hear, or we lie to ourselves because we really, really hope that this time will be different, even though we haven't done enough of the inner work to know that for sure. So the question is not whether we lie, but what are the consequences of us lying, other than the shame of getting caught, of course. And that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Lori Gerber. Lori is one of the most engaging and effective life coaches and presenters in the country. She's out to change the world, and she has a passion for coaching people who share that mission. And she also has an incredible TEDx talk on why we all lie. So three key things we will learn are the seven types of lies we tell and their hidden consequences, how our lies affect our self-worth and our self-forgiveness, and how to start cleaning up your own personal pollution. And now let's welcome Lori Gerber to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I am so curious, why did you start researching lying? Well, at Handelker, we always believed that that was kind of the secret ingredient in people's happiness and freedom. And there were lots of other things you could do in self-help and personal growth that would perhaps get you some short-term good vibes and successes. But if you didn't attack your lying, you weren't, you weren't ever going to reach that real happiness that human beings are looking for. So we're pretty obsessed with the topic and nobody else seems to want to really talk about it. So we're, kind of like, we're like, where's the section in the bookstore? Like, why isn't everyone talking about this? It's so obviously helpful. But then you have to talk about how you lie and nobody seems to like that. So how did you discover that? Were you just coaching people and realized, I don't believe anything you're saying? <laughs> or what was happening? It's not hard to figure out that human beings lie, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you probably understand because you have a baby, right? Literally, babies lie. They fake cry to get your attention. And then the second they can talk, they start lying. I remember some of my youngest child's first words were like, I didn't do that. You know, like when she did it. <laughs> it Lying is about as natural as as natural as breathing and everyone does it, but everyone's focused on how everyone else does it rather than how they do it. So yeah, I think that that's my long answer long. Wait, I heard you say that even pigeons lie. What's that about? 
Isn't that crazy? So there was an experiment. I can't remember now. Obviously, in the TEDx talk, I cite my source, but there was a study done where the pigeon would have to peck a certain color. They would have to either peck red or peck a blue based on what they saw. And if they pecked red, they would get more seed or more cookie or whatever. And so sometimes they would peck red instead of blue to get more seed, even though it wasn't red, right? So they would cheat, you know, they would cheat and lie to get what they wanted. And that's just a pigeon. Our brains are much bigger and more complex. I have to say, I have so much more respect for pigeons all of a sudden. <laughs> like I had no idea their mental capacity. Yeah. Well, when you see so many of one animal, you got to go, hmm, maybe they're, maybe they, Maybe they know things. So what do you find that people are lying the most about? Is it to make themselves look better? Are they in denial? Where is it stemming from and what are they trying to create? Well, okay, I can answer that in many different ways. People are lying about what they really want. People are lying about what they're thinking. And people are lying about what they're willing to do or not do or what they've done or haven't done. And people are lying in every category of life. And usually what we lie about, it's not like everyone lies about everything. Everyone really has their own brand. And your brand is probably a lot like your parents' brand or whomever raised you. So it's not exactly a free-for-all. It's quite programmed. Generally, there are certain areas people lie in more than others or certain ways that people lie more than others. You know, I can go into like why people lie. I can go into all the different ways people lie, wherever you would like to go next. Well, first, we're in the trust tree here. I'm curious about when you're really honest with yourself, where in your life did you find that you were lying? What was your lying brand, as they say? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got 18 minutes of it. If you don't get enough out of this. (laughs) And I'm always discovering new ways I lie, truly. It's quite remarkable. One of my favorites is called the Lupolian I call it Lupolian, like Lupolian the Great. <laughs> like Napoleon. <laughs> if I can find a loophole in something, I'm going to find it, right? Like if the doctor gives me a new diet I need to be on for my such and such condition, I'm like, well, he didn't say don't do blah, blah, blah. Or she said no lemon, but I think lime could all, you know, like, I, I will make up some way, you know, if I'm just like, I'll, I'll do that laundry. You know, it's like, well, I didn't say by when, you know, like I'll do it within the next year. You know, like I will make up a loophole at the drop of a hat. That's one of my favorite ways to lie. I used to lie a lot. Like This was a funny one that I caught when I first did the assignment, which was I would lie and pretend I understood things that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, someone could say something in an accent I didn't understand, and I would just be like, okay, and just pretend. like and I literally couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> or mention a book or allude to something in the media or whatever, and I'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And <laughs> After I did this exercise, I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, I'm just going to see what happens if I am actually just myself. And I don't know that. Like, I literally don't know what that is. And so far, so good. It's been great. I mean, I had to ask someone to repeat themselves five times the other day. It was so embarrassing for both of us. And I still didn't understand. Like, he gave up. He he just tried it another way, you know. But I just love it so much more than pretending like I understand something that I don't. Yeah, my two top ones for for today. I am the same on the loopholes my whole life. I remember in college, I found out that I could get extended time on tests and also not be graded on my attendance 
through disabled student services if I let them know about my ADD. Now, mind you, I had been managing my ADD without medication my whole life, and suddenly it was enough for me to go to disabled services and utilize this loophole. And it was kind of not a lie because I did have ADD, but it definitely was a lie in that I didn't need any of these things. I just did not want to have to go to class. I call that kind of lying cheating, and I totally cheat too. I'm not going to report that, but I will report that. If I need to get some particular measure done, I'll fudge it. You know, it's cheating or cheating on a test. Most people have cheated on someone or something. So that's cheating. It's not lying. It's cheating. It's a kind of lying. And I love that because how you know it's a loophole is when you're explaining it to yourself. Like, well, it really is true. If you're explaining it to yourself, probably you're doing a loophole. So what are the categories of lying? I know the first one is there's just outright lying, just like a blatant lie. But what are some of the other ways that we lie that maybe some of us aren't categorizing as a lie and so that we don't even really realize that we're doing it? And by the way, let me just say too that the reason we categorize so many things as lies is so we pay attention to it. It's not to make people feel bad because we don't have a moralistic view on lying. Everybody lied. It starts as a baby. It starts as a pigeon, right? So (laughs) it's really not a moral judgment. And because we're so moralistic about it, people don't ever want to admit they do it or look at it or have a sense of humor about it. So we love to call everything lying. And then we love to pour on the humor and the levity because If there's not humor and levity about it, we'll never tell. And then we won't get our dreams. And the point is to get your dreams. The point isn't to be a good person. Got it. Everyone might not agree with that purpose, but the most popular, I think, is omission because it's so easy to justify. Well, they didn't ask, so I don't need to tell. It's not none of their business anyway, right? No, he didn't ask me where I was tonight. I don't have to say I was on another date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes lying by omission seems like It could be a good thing. Like, I've definitely done that. I don't feel like everybody needs to know everything. So where's the line of when it's a lie? Because there's also something as oversharing. So is it if it affects the person? Most important people, most important things is what you don't want to omit. I'm really talking about purposeful omission. Like the doctor asked, are you smoking? And you answered about cigarettes, but not about pot. Or you answered about... Wait, that's a lie? (laughs) I needed to call my doctor. (laughs) So it's, and again, remember, we're not looking for a moral inventory. We're looking for, is your life a representation of your dreams? So I had a dream for deep, connected intimacy with my husband, but I wasn't telling him what I was doing when I would go see my ex-boyfriend once a year, right? So that's one that I was omitting on purpose because I didn't want him to be jealous or make me, that's not even true. I didn't want him to stop me. That's why I didn't tell him. I didn't want him to stop me from doing it because I was having fun. So that's a good example of an omission that was getting in the way of me having my dream. What do you think causes that in a way where if that is one of your core desires to have an intimate relationship with your husband, is there some psychological reason that we might self-sabotage in that way? Like maybe part of us is afraid of that. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free. 
a 30-minute binaural meditation, and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. What do you think causes that in a way where if that is one of your core desires to have an intimate relationship with your husband, is there some psychological reason that we might self-sabotage in that way? Like maybe part of us is afraid of that? That's what it is. It's some deep psychological issue called fear. Yeah, 100%. And we call it chicken just to make fun of it so it doesn't sound so serious. Yes, I was afraid of intimacy for sure. And lo and behold, when you give up your right to flirt with your ex-boyfriend and you give up your right, in my case, to eat sugar all day long, all of a sudden you have to start figuring out how to be intimate without freaking yourself out too much. Because now you want and need to get your intimacy from your partner because you're not getting it elsewhere. And that's what happens when you start telling the truth. Like my coach was like, what are you eating all day? What are you doing all day? Who are you seeing? What do you do? And then it was like, oh, I see why you don't have the relationship you want. I see why you don't have the health you want. I see why you don't have the career you want and the confidence you want. Because you're doing these things and nobody knows. Like if you had to eat that pint of ice cream and 27 chocolate covered pretzels in front of all your Instagram followers, would you eat it? <laughs> would you? <laughs> Like, are you proud? Are you proud of that? <laughs> there was a time that I gave up drinking for 30 days, which I do periodically. And I remember this was one of the first times that I did it while I was married. And I would always walk to my office at WeWork. And on the way back, I would stop at Bodega Wine Bar. All of a sudden, just I only started this habit when I actually gave up drinking at this time. This was years ago. But I would walk back and I'd get a glass of Prosecco at Bodega Wine Bar. <laughs> And I thought that since nobody could see me, it didn't count. <laughs> like, I am by myself. If I'm drinking by myself, it doesn't count, when arguably that makes it worse. <laughs> Can't imagine what I, I was like, Ben and Jerry's is healthy. It has tie-dye on the label. <laughs> like, the amount we can lie to ourselves, it's humorous and profound and deep. The way we can justify something, like, oh, I'm not drinking with anyone. It doesn't count, right? It's got tie-dye on the label. It's not unhealthy. Like, it's just hilarious, truly. Okay, lying by exaggeration, that meeting was amazing when you were bored to tears, yeah. right? So again, why are you lying, right? It's a good question. I find that people tend to do that when they are 
trying to make people feel like they missed out or trying to make their life look better or I don't know. I had a friend that used to do that all the time. And so I'm just thinking, and I was like, why did she do that? There was this one time when we were in Vegas and we were at some table. We were in our early 20s and walking by was LL Cool J. So we stopped him and took a photo with him. And then the next day we ended up meeting up with friends that we knew. And all of a sudden she's like, you guys totally missed out. We were hanging out with LL Cool J all night. And I'm like, Sitting there like, you know, I was there with you, right? We only took a photo. You're lying right in front of me. Like, should I stop you right now? Should I call you out or do I just let it ride? So I just let it ride. And I was just like sitting there wondering why this was happening. Now we would call that lying also, right? Like avoiding confrontation and not saying anything. We call that lying too, but we'll get to that. Oh man, she dragged me into it. (laughs) Romance number three, outright lying, omission, exaggeration. And you're right. It's power and control right? I feel more powerful if I say I did this. I feel more in control of the conversation or in what you think of me. And I'm manipulating you to think of me in a particular way when I say it this way. So that is why people exaggerate. It's like the fish was this big that I caught in the lake and it just keeps getting bigger. But again, the point is not you're bad for exaggerating. It's just why don't you think you're okay as who you actually are and what you actually did last night? And whatever you actually ate or drank, or why are you not okay with that? And if you're really not okay with it, we send you to a different module in our methodology, right? Module six is lying. We send you right to module three, where it's like, okay, what's true for you? What do you think you should have done with LL Cool J? Or how how should you have eaten last night? Or how what do you believe is right? Why don't you be true to that instead of caring what anyone else thinks of you? See, when you frame it that way, it gives me so much compassion because it really comes back to a self-worth issue. And it's so easy. I think all of us have that friend that, I mean, we ourselves lie, of course, but we all have that friend where it's glaringly obvious that they lie. (laughs) And it's easy to kind of demonize that person or be like, gosh, yeah, they're always lying. But if you look at it as like, oh man, that is a sign of a deep insecurity or not thinking you're good enough, it totally turns it around where you're like, wow, what do you need right now? And how can I be there for you? And the beauty is you can make it safe for people to not lie around you by telling on your own lies. Mm -hmm. That's the trick. We all want to focus on someone else's lies. I hear it all the time in dating, right? We coach so many people in dating and they're like, people are such liars. And I'm like, uh, did you tell them they were lying? No. Okay. Well, then you are too. (laughs) Like, Like, what are you talking about? We're all lying to each other. So one way that we can make people feel more comfortable to tell the truth is admitting where we've lied, how we've lied, when we lie, and just acknowledging it's going to happen and acknowledging why it happens and being compassionate for that. And then people really will feel less likely to lie. It's great dating advice, I must say. Yeah, because people will reflect the energy that you're putting out there. And so I have found that because I tend to be very open with my stories now because part of the lie that I lived for such a long time was lying by omission, but really it was all these things that I had shame about. And so I was so afraid of people finding out about that. So my life was kind of a lie during that time when I was hiding my bulimia, when I was hiding other addictions. And then when I finally decided to let go of that shame and to just come clean with it, I noticed that other people it gave them freedom to also let down the load that they were carrying and people just started opening up to me. So it is so true that how you are will help open up the other person. Exactly. And Melissa, there's only like 
what, 20 taboo topics on planet Earth. It's not like a thousand, right? And I know you talk about them. You talk about sexuality and sexual abuse and you talk about suicide and you talk about health issues and you talk about mental health issues and you talk about money. And there's not a million taboo topics that people are embarrassed about. There's you know like tw- what, though? I almost feel like our society is trying to make more and more topics taboo where we can't even open a dialogue about certain things without it feeling unsafe for people. Yeah. Well, I understand your concern with our culture, and I believe we can combat it with conversations just like this, because lying is one of the taboo topics. Right? Like, don't, calling someone a liar is like the meanest thing you can say. It's so offensive, and yet we really all do it. Wow, that is so interesting to think about. So the next one is lying by under-exaggeration. Exactly. This is one where you get the little tip-off for addiction, right? It's not that bad. Yeah, they drink every night, but it's only two glasses of red wine, and red wine is healthy. Or like, oh, I didn't spend that much, right? You're like, well, how much do you think compared to what you actually have? You're like, it was only two glasses, but my glasses are large. steins of wine. Exactly. So we under-exaggerate, again, to control and manipulate people, usually into leaving us alone so we can do what the fuck we want. (laughs) Whatever that is. Drink, cheat, steal, lie, get more money, whatever we think will make us feel better. Versus, again, you know, focus on what will actually make us feel better, which is dreaming for our lives and thinking great thoughts and taking great actions. So the next one is lying by misrepresenting a story. How is that different from exaggerating or under-exaggerating? Well, we like to give you so many ways of thinking of lying that you can't possibly not think of any. (laughs) Um, So it might be, misrepresenting might be under or over-exaggerating. But it might be some other form of misrepresentation. Like you're embarrassed that your friends are gay when you're talking about them with another friend so you don't mention their gender. So you're misrepresenting who they are. Or you go like, oh, I had a great time on the holidays, but you're misrepresenting which holiday you practiced, for example, or what custom you practiced. So you could call it omission, you could call it misrepresenting. You know, they are sometimes interchangeable, but we find that certain people sort of relate better to one or the other way to explain that type of lying. I used to do that when I was younger, Because I always was the entertainer and it was part of the way that I coped with my trauma. Like I didn't like to show my darker emotions. And so I like to just be the life of the party and get people to laugh. And so sometimes I would take a shell of a story and kind of create details around it to make it a better story. And to me, that wasn't lying because I'm like, I'm never going to see these people again. It doesn't actually matter. And I'm just entertaining. Comedians tend to do that. So why can't I? (laughs) I mean, exactly. There's no moral reason, but the tip off is when you have to give yourself the whole justification. Like you see hear how many sentences you had to, you had sentences for the justification than the actual story then you know you're lying. And again, the question keeps being, why aren't you enough? Why aren't I enough? Like, why isn't the truth okay? Why isn't it okay? When it started to really hurt for me was actually when I realized that the people I was hanging out with at that time had no idea who I was. At first I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing them a service. I'm keeping people entertained. But then I was like, but to the cost of the fact that nobody knows me. And so I felt lonely no matter how many people were around me. That's such a poignant summary of one of the worst side effects of lying is just you feel isolated. You feel alone. You feel disconnected, numb even, and you don't know why. 
and you have trouble making decisions and you don't know why because they don't know you and you don't know you. And so when you start to thaw and tell the truth, even like the littlest things like, oh, I didn't understand what you just said or, oh, you know what? I actually like over easy or I'm actually going to be 15 minutes late. Like when you start to tell the truth, even just a little, you feel so much better and so much more connected to people. Yeah, I remember uh, that one friend that I always comes to mind and probably because I'm projecting and <laughs> not wanting to think about all the times in my past I lied. It was interesting. It was actually one of the things that got me to look at the way I was using entertainment to kind of put a guard up. And it was interesting because I think when we first met, neither of us really expected to become good friends. And so she had told me all these stories in the first few days of us hanging out. And then over the course of the next six months of our friendship, when we were together every day, I saw, I have a really excellent memory. If you tell me something, a story, I will remember the smallest details, especially if there's visuals around it. And so over the next six months, we were hanging out and then each thing she told me about like when she graduated, her age, the weirdest things started to crumble. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think maybe now I'm getting to know you. But in the beginning, like what, who were you trying to be? I think that's what's happening in dating too. I'm like, well, no wonder everyone's divorced and nobody believes in love anymore. Like We're all just getting together. We're like, do you buy this? Do you buy this? Do you buy this? Oh yeah. How about this? Do you buy this? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, six months and we're like, oh shit, we invested in this and now we kind of need to stay, but who are you? Bait and switch. Yeah. Oh. And then you're sitting there and if you were the one that did those little white lies that seem harmless at first, then suddenly you have this need to protect those lies, which means that you're going to put a guard up and keep people from getting close enough to even see that real you, which again comes back to all that self-worth issues. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. 
It's a zero sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. But it also, here's the other dark part of it, is that it implies the other person's a jerk because they can't handle the truth about you. So that's why people are sometimes a little sad when they find out you've been lying because they're like, why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you think I could handle it? Why didn't you let me decide what I thought of that versus you making the decision for me? So it's sad, but it's also a little sick because it's a power play where you get to decide what they think of you rather than letting them decide themselves, which I think we all philosophically believe in. Another person is entitled to their opinion about me, right? And I don't have to be, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to control everybody's every thought. It's important for folks to know, I think, both the sad part and also a little bit of the, you know, not so nice. Yeah. And I feel like we have so many actions that have that same kind of need for control underneath. It's the same thing that happens for me when I am in that mindset and I have done that in the past. The same feelings arise within that happen when I feel like somebody can't handle their own pain. Like I need to save somebody from their mistakes too. It's <laughs> And it's like coming from the same place where And I think almost that might come from the place where we have a tendency to kind of think we're the center of our own world and we are creating our reality as we go, but at what expense? Yeah, right. Like what is yours to fix and what isn't? And I do have the thought, like when you first start to tell the truth, you really can overshare, overstep, offend people, annoy people. Like the truth ain't always, there's a reason you're not telling it because it's not awesome. It won't make someone feel good. It won't go over well. But the more you practice it, the more you learn, I call it the truth underneath the truth. Like your truth in the moment might be like, I want to kill my brother. He's such an asshole. But then the real truth is, oh, I got my feelings hurt yesterday when he didn't pass the salt. And then the real truth is I'm actually still jealous of him from my childhood. And then the real truth is if I just told him all of this, I'd feel better. So what's the truth? And once you start experimenting with, oh my God, I'm so upset with you right now. Why am I so upset with you right now? Oh, you can actually learn and then you're less likely to freak out when you get triggered because you know what's underneath it and or you've healed what's underneath it. I have found that that has been one of the biggest things that has been healing over time through being married because for me, I've always been an only child and so... I've always kind of been on my own. There's not a lot of people who have known me my whole life. So people know bits and pieces of it, but they weren't there for the whole thing. And I used to 
move schools a lot. And I remember thinking, oh, I could be anyone I want at this new school. Not that I'd invent too heavily, but I would try to go in with maybe more confidence than I had the last one, which I don't necessarily relate to lying per se, but in my mind, it still came back to who I am at my core isn't good enough. So who can I create myself to be in this moment? Right, right, exactly. And it's powerful to have compassion for that child who doesn't think she's enough and to also wink at the one who is actually manipulating other people in the room by creating a persona and to wink at yourself as a grown-up and go, oh, if I could do that, I could do anything. I could actually show up for my dreams instead of showing up to hopefully get people to like me and approve of me. I could show up for my dreams. That's the real deal. Well, what I realized was happening is through all that kind of creating and trying to represent myself in a certain way, it does get harder to understand what's actually underneath that. Even with my own trauma, I was telling myself stories about how it wasn't affecting me. And so when I got married, even to this day, there's so many different times that I find myself snapping at my husband for something. Not that often. We have a healthy relationship, but I'll feel myself getting tense and I can feel it in my body and I'll sit with it. I'm getting so much better at sitting with it to be like, what was that really about? Actually, it was about something that happened earlier today and now I'm blaming it on this or I'm feeling a certain way and I'm feeling kind of out of control of my day. That happens a lot when I'm procrastinating and then all of a sudden my husband will ask me to do something or something like that and then all of a sudden the reason I didn't get that done is because of him, not because of me. And so I have to sit with it and be like, no, I've been screwing around today. Now you're my fall guy and you're not supposed to be, so I'm sorry about that. Excellent confession. And when you admit shit like that, people are like, what? (laughs) Love you when you admit shit like that. It's so, it's so cutting edge. So cutting edge. So the next one is one that is probably my biggest struggle in life is lying by avoiding confrontation. How is that a lie? Because I am known to avoid any confrontation. That's a good thing, Lori. Why are you calling it a lie? Well, remember, lying is not bad. It just gets in the way of having your dream, right? So again, we're not saying confront everybody all the time, right? I'm not saying get out of your car and teach people how to drive. I'm not saying you need to comment on everyone's outfits. It's the most important people and the most important things. So the most common things we see, you know, people come to us because they are unhappy in their careers, they're unhappy in their love life or their dating life, and they're unhappy with relationships that they're in or even relationships with themselves or with their eating, right? Or their drinking or some habit. And so they are deeply avoiding confrontation in those areas. They are justifying not having the difficult conversations they need to have with their coworkers, with their boss, with their employees, with their partners in business and in love, with their dates and with the people who share mealtimes with them. And that is what is in the way of them being able to envision, feel, embody, and manifest their dreams. And it's all justified, you know, just as you like, people deserve entertainment. I don't want to ruin their day. I don't want blah, 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 blah. Except, and there's always a justification, right? If you are lying to avoid confrontation, you have a list of excuses and justifications that sound so right to you. But what we find is that when people actually learn how to design a difficult conversation, then all of a sudden they feel so much better. They can imagine their dream. They can embody their dream. They can ask for help with their dream. They can take action toward their dream when they could not before. So it's not about bad or good. It's just about, 
is a relationship standing in the way of you getting your dream? And if so, what are you not saying in that relationship? I can see that happening with a lot of my female friends that are in relationships. I do it too, where I let things build up. I'm actually getting so much better at it in the wiser I get as I age. But I used to sit there thinking, well, this is me being a good partner. And no, I need to let this go. And a lot of it was me actually figuring out, well, what's worth bringing up? Is this his problem or mine? When really it's nobody's problem. It's just if you're going to have a relationship where your lives are intertwined together, then you need to have that communication. And it comes from that idea of sharing who you truly are and who you are is what your desires are, what you like, what you dislike. And that doesn't mean that your partner needs to cater to all of your likes and dislikes, but it's helpful for them to know. I'm wondering though, where's the line of being like, this is worth sharing versus I'm letting too many things trigger me. I have a really good rule about that. That works so well. And by the way, the problem with having those thoughts and not saying them is that they fester and grow in the dark, like mold. So you're like, oh, he doesn't care about my birthday and you don't say anything about it. And then you're collecting all the evidence that he doesn't care about your birthday and everything seems like he doesn't care about your birthday. And then another year goes by and then again, you know, like, and if you would have just said it, you would have had the party of your dreams. So it's so dangerous not to speak up because other people will drown in the pool while you're sitting on the life preserver. Yeah, and then we end up kind of creating the story where you said he doesn't care about my birthday when he just might have a different love language. Maybe he's been showing you different ways that he cares, but that's not the way that you perceive love. And so you're only looking for the evidence of all the things that you thought he should do that he's not and not seeing that he might be doing all these things over here. And therein lies half of the work I do with couples. It's like, let me explain to you your two different realities. Okay, but let me tell you about the rule about when you should speak up. This is my pitch. Okay. It is annoying to tell someone your truth, especially if it is a criticism or feedback. It is. It's like nerve wracking and uncomfortable and you have to figure out how to do it well. So my rule is if I think it three times, it's called the three grumble rule. If I grumble to myself three times, then I have to design a difficult conversation, follow my rules from module nine of interview life and bring it to the person. So by golly, I can't even tell you, Melissa, how much this makes me want to clean up my own life because I don't want to be triggered because I don't want to have those conversations because they're so awkward. So I clean up so much of my own life and take responsibility so much for my own life because of that one rule so that I'm not very triggerable. But still, sometimes I get triggered. And when I get triggered, the first thing I do is go, don't be triggered, Lori. <laughs> God, don't think that again. That is none of your business. That is not your lane. That is not a problem. That is totally okay. That makes sense, actually. This is good for you. Like, I do all my tools to talk back to myself and make it go away. If I think it a second time, I will usually call for help to my coach. Hey, can you help me not think this anymore? What do I need to get about myself so I don't need to think about this and I can let it go? Sometimes that works. But sometimes it comes a third time and it's like, oh shit, I actually do have to say something. I have to find out what they really think. I have to find out what they want to do about it. And I've got to say, I really disagree. And the worst that can happen is we disagree. They don't see it my way. I don't see it their way. And we agree to disagree. Best that can happen is I've just made some wonderful contribution to their life and improvement. 
or some combination of we both grow, learn, and change and negotiate solutions. So that's my rule for when do I have to talk versus let it go. I had so many thoughts while you were explaining that. And one of them is because my mom, for example, hey mom, in case you listen to this episode, (laughs) she is the type of person where when something is on her mind, it will fester. Like you can see it on her face, how many conversations she's having. Sometimes I can even tell what she's saying. Like I'm reading her lips just by the facial expression she's making. And so for her, that'll always come up three times. But that is also her way of being. And many times she will bring something up expecting herself to be right. Again, I love you, mom, if you're listening to this. (laughs) But then through our conversation, it helps her to see another side. And so even though that's her way of being, if she's receptive, and if anyone else out there is listening to this and they're the same way, if you're receptive, that conversation can be part of your healing. It might not result in you still thinking that that person is at fault for whatever you're thinking. And Maybe you needed that conversation to process because your way of processing solo is just building up the story. Yep, absolutely. Love that. So so what is the cost of lying? We've kind of talked about it gets in the way of our dreams, but how so? Because I know that so many people are probably justifying their lies in their heads as we speak. Yes, after my TEDx talk, people would come up to me and go, but this one's okay, right, Lori? Like, I'm not supposed to tell about that, the abortion. I'm not supposed to tell about the... The cheating on my husband, right? Like, it's up to you. I'm not telling you you have to. But the secrets that you're taking to the grave with you, they own you. You don't own them, right? And that's one of the costs is that you feel fettered. You don't feel free to fully be yourself when you have your list of lies. You lose clarity a lot of times, both on what you really think and feel and want, but also just clarity in relationships, right? A lot of relationships break up because people just literally don't tell what they want and need about basic stuff. You lose intimacy, of course. That's a big one. Intimacy and trust and love and all that whole world. Oftentimes relationships, I think, and communities devolve into gossip, you know, and it's more like entertainment factor of like gossip and better than and less than and one-upping and jealousy and all. Like it's a whole world of entertainment of a kind, but it's sick and unpleasant kind of entertainment versus human beings growing and learning together and enjoying each other's dreams, which is what happens in communities where people agree they're going to talk about it if there's a conflict versus let it fester or gossip about it. So obviously it's a bigger deal than we've been allowing ourselves to see. So where do we actually start to, as you call it, clean up your personal pollution? Yeah. The first thing is to make your list okay, can you tell one or two people one or two of them? You'll see in the TEDx talk that I read my entire list to my father. And that was like, that was the day I became a grown up. So there are different things you can do from there. But for everyone, just in terms of first step, it's just like, just admit you lie. That really is the first step. And then number two, make your list. And then find, you know, in the interview, we give you a buddy, but in life, you might have a buddy where you're like, hmm, want to go through these together? Like just that will teach you so much, so much. How does sharing your secrets relate to self-forgiveness? It's really hard to forgive yourself for something if you can't even say it. And even saying it seems to unlock feelings. Like the reason we don't talk about it is because we don't want to feel the feelings. So how do you forgive yourself for, you know, a kid you gave up for an adoption or an abortion or cheating or stealing or lying to someone or betraying someone or hurting someone, you can't do it unless you can get the words out of your own mouth. 
feel the feelings you were trying to suppress, which are not endless. They are significant, but they're not endless. And actually process the thing you buried. Then you've got a chance to forgive because then you've got a chance to go, okay, why does this make sense that this happened? Why does it make sense given my lineage, given my upbringing, given my culture, given my way of thinking, given the circumstances of my life? Like, why does it make sense? And then once you can make sense of something, like tell a balanced story about something, it's way more forgivable. So say you realize that you do need to come clean, but you've never really done that before. Do you have any tips for talking yourself up or for starting small? It's like anything, right? You get good at guitar by practicing. You get good at telling the truth by practicing. And so finding just one person that you can practice just one with and start to build that data that that you lived, that they loved you anyway, that they got it, that they understood that they had one too. And then you just build bit by bit by bit by bit practice and don't expect to be good at it at first, right? And then when you're going to do a confession, there are certain steps you would want to take in terms of writing it out first and practicing it and remembering why you're going to do it, what the purpose is of telling this truth. Oh, to be closer to the person. And then you would ask permission, right? You'd get consent. Hey, I want to tell you something. I'm embarrassed about it, but I really want to, you know, let you know. I I think it would be good for our relationship. Do you want to know? Right. And then someone can go, no. (laughs) Or they go, yes. And you're like, oh, good. Okay. Well, and then you explain the purpose of this is for us to be connected. The purpose is for us to collaborate better. The purpose is whatever. I'm nervous to tell you, but here it is. Right. So there's a lot of different steps that we, again, we outline this in interview in module nine. Then you say the thing, you know, when I was 16, I had an abortion or whatever it is. And then you be quiet and you go, what do you think? And you listen to another human being's heartfelt, vulnerable, honest response to your heartfelt, vulnerable, honest sharing. And it is the most peak, beautiful experience of life because nobody's freaking doing that. And I'm sure you've had these experiences many times. Definitely. Well, I know that this episode has given me a lot to think about, even now through my healing, even with as vulnerable as I share, there are still things in my life that I need to clean up. So thank you for your research around this because I know, like you said, we all lie, so we all need it. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and working with you, where's the best place that they can connect? I think Handel Group is the name of the Instagram handle, which is H-A-N-D-E-L-G-R-O-U-P. And then we have this awesome current reality quiz, which is a chance to tell the truth, basically. (laughs) A great chance to tell the truth. Little pop quiz, 10 minutes of truth telling that it would be great if you put in the show notes because it's free and it's such a good way for a person to take stock of their life and begin to tell the truth about what I think is most important, which is how are you doing in terms of your dreams? Like, again, I don't care if you're like, I need to clean up more things because I still have things on my list, but why? What dream is it in service of? Is it in service of making more people feel whole and loved on the planet? Is it in service of being the best mom you can be? Is it in service of having the best sex of your life? Why are we doing the truth telling? It's the dreams that are important, not the morality. Sorry. (laughs) So sorry for people who are very moralistic. I hope I'm not offending you. So the quiz is awesome. It's going to ask you to rate different areas of your life, honestly. And then it's going to tell you what the ratings mean. So you can sort of see where you can best focus for really loving your life and loving yourself so you don't have to lie. All the links mentioned in this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 187. 
So your challenge for this week is to try a little radical honesty. You can do the tips that Lori shared on cleaning up your own personal pollution, or you can just be hyper aware of the lies that you're telling throughout the day, however small that they may be. Some of us might have a harder time on this than others. Some of us have wildly creative imaginations that seep through into our reality, so to speak. But I want you to just give it a go and notice how you feel in your body every time you take the harder route. Because at first it does seem harder. It almost seems like the little lie is our escape route. But something about that lie has weight to it. Even when we say we're on our way, it gives that extra bit of anxiety when we know that we're going to be later than they expect. I have this issue with my mom. For some reason, I have such a hard time disappointing my mom about timing. And... To be fair, it's because historically she's given me a lot of shit about it where I'll say, I'm actually not going to be there until another hour from now or whatever. And she tends to respond with, what? Why? Why didn't you leave earlier? Well, couldn't you have gotten ready sooner? And I'm like, really? This is the route we're taking? You can't just let it be? (laughs) But it's funny because my husband noticed that I would often be like, I'm on my way and I wouldn't yet be out the door and I would say some sort of time, like, oh, I'll be there at 1.30. And he'll say something like, no, we're not going to be there at 1.30 at all. We're going to be there closer to 3.30. I'd finally be like, you tell her. Well, apparently I haven't been giving my mom enough credit because quite often she's just like, all right. (laughs) And I was hyping it all up in my head. So often we are putting the stress on ourselves. So I want to see what you feel like when you put that weight down, when you are radically transparent, even if you think that it's not what the other person wants to hear, or even when it's not what you want to tell yourself. Try the radical honesty because it gives you an actual foundation to build upon instead of some house of cards. And let me know how it goes. Tell me your most difficult lie that you had to give up for truth and reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If this episode is something that one of your friends needs to hear, send it to them. Maybe it's the little wake-up call they need to let them know that you know they haven't been totally honest with you. Or take a screenshot, share this on social media, tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. If you want to support the show, please support one of my amazing sponsors or consider joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium, where you get extra episodes, meditations every month, and other bonuses. And otherwise, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.